Nice to have you in the studio, Paul Carter. Julian, hi. Thanks for having me. And the book is called Is That Thing Diesel? One man, one bike, and the first lap around Australia on used cooking oil. Yes. Can I ask you about your first book first? Sure. What sort of mother... <laughs> would prefer her son to play piano in a whorehouse rather than work on an oil rig. An oil field mother. An oil field mother. Yeah, she. she Anything but. Yeah, she told me right from day one. Whatever you do, boy, study hard at school. You know, apply yourself. Don't end up roughnecking. And of course, I did the absolute opposite. And it's a disgrace. Fell into both my parents' footsteps and ended up pulling slips offshore when I was uh, seventeen. And you enjoyed that. Oh, I loved it. No, I absolutely loved it. I had a ball. But after It sounds hideous to me. I can't imagine being sort of floating around in the middle of nowhere. Oh no, no. I know it sounds hideous, but it's the, 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 the back then the oil fields changed a lot. And uh well back then it was just the the crew, you know, the guys I was working with, they uh, we get really tight with the same guys. And just loved it. The money was good, it was a equal time rotation, month and a month. So you get your month off, crew change home and, and you've got a month to do whatever you want. And when, you, when you're a young man with a, with a pocket full of US dollars, because they paid cash back in those days, I had absolutely no financial sense and just loved it. Just ran around like, a, like an idiot for, for the first 10 years. <laughs> and lots of time to come up with this crazy idea. <laughs> yeah, of course. Now, tell us, where it, um, tell, us, tell us where it sort of um, eventuated from, where, where, when this idea popped into your mind. Uh, well, I, uh, I promised my wife when we got married that, uh, well, she met all my mates, colleagues, blokes I've worked with over the years for, for such a long time, and two-thirds of them are into their second and third marriages. So the oil, the oil field, from a contractor's point of view, doesn't really lend itself to happy families. It takes its toll. It does. It really does with, with, with families and marriages. So she said to me right from the get-go, if we, if we get married and have kids, you've got to quit, do something else. So I, you know, I promised her. So when she told me, you know, we're, we're having a baby... That was it. That's the least you could do. Yeah, I pulled front the pin up, and, and you know, very quickly uh, had had Lola, my daughter, uh, can my job, moved to Perth, bought a house in Legoland in the burbs of Perth, and, and took my first desk job. And very quickly, within twelve months, I was fiddling with my sanity. You just you just don't stop doing that after such a long time. And I was struggling, and I said to her, "Can I, can I get the leave pass to just chuck a lap round Australia on my bike?" You know, and, and Claire was waiting for me to, to say something outlandish like that, and she said, "Well, fine. Are you going to write about it?" And I said, "Well, yeah." She said, "Well, why would you ride a, a conventional bike?" If that any... was her idea. Yeah, it was her and another mate in Sydney, a guy called Greg Quayle, uh, a TV producer guy I know, and uh, he had the, he, he approached me and said, "I've got this idea for for this uh, bike. I'm, I'm looking for a bike that will run on diesel." And he'd done some research, and, and when Claire said that to me, I chased Greg up and said, do you remember that idea you had a while back? And he sent me the information he had, and I started looking for a bike that would, uh, that would run on used cooking oil. And you found it at the University of Adelaide, or you you've found at least the idea. Yeah, well, I tried. I found an excellent bike in the States, like a brilliant bike in the States, another one in Japan. There was a great bike in Germany, that this former uber-loitenant at Porsche retired and thought, right, I'm going to build bikes that run on cooking oil. And he That's thought, fabulous. He can't keep up with the demand. But I couldn't, for the life of me, get one over here and get it properly compliance-plated and road-registered and therefore insured properly to do the ride because there are no diesel bikes commercially available for sale in this country and it just turned into this bureaucratic nightmare of trying to get this bike imported and on the road and, you know, just in case I, I, I ran into a school bus or something. I had to have the insurance, but I, I just couldn't make it happen. And then my wife 
solved it the way. She's a very clever woman, your wife. She's good. Yeah, she fixed the entire problem. I couldn't get my head around for six months by Googling it. (laughs) And found an article from a 2006 Adelaide newspaper about the University of Adelaide's mechanical engineering department, 2006 class, winning the Panasonic World Solar Challenge. They, they, They entered into the alternate fuel class and they were the only people to enter a bike. And they ran it on used cooking oil. And obviously, if the university did it, they, they must have had a proper insurance and a, a registration and compliance plate. So I rang up the generic number for the university. As you do. As you do. And they put me through to a Dr. Colin Kestel. And he was just delightful. And when I told him what my intentions were, to get sponsorship from, from oil service companies to finance me riding a bike around the country that runs on what's essentially free fuel from garbage. It was just the perfect juxtaposition, which he thought would, would, for all intents and purposes, make me the antichrist as far as oil business is concerned. But it didn't, and it worked brilliantly. It's fantastic. That was the get-go from from that. I met Colin, and then that was it. He let me use Betty, Betty the bio bike. Tell us about Betty, because none of this could have happened without her. What sort of a bike was she? Uh, An absolute pig. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Frankenstein, horrible... Uh, she was put together on a shoestring budget from a, from a 12-year-old uh, Italian military spec frame. And it's basically she, she's got an eight-horsepower irrigation diesel pump engine welded to the frame. And it was a nightmare. It had a CVT drive system, a, a constant variable transmission. So it was just twist and go. There was no gearbox. And it was hellish. It was absolutely hellish bike to ride. The vibration issue was my biggest problem. I, have, I had residual nerve damage in both hands for three months. After I finished the ride, that was nuts. It was like my hands had been to the dentist within, within two hours of starting. I didn't even make it to Mount Gambia without stacking it because I couldn't feel anything. How on earth did you get all the way around? It was hard, yeah. yeah. If you've ever used an angle grinder or a power tool or something like that for a I, I've time. used a little tiny $20 sander, you know, on a, on a on table. On, no, no, just on a table, not even that big. It was about the size of a coffee cup. And, and did you get and that I got, I got weird vibration. You got that buzzing in your fingertips? Yeah, yeah. Okay, time, time's 100. It, my whole <laughs> hand was dead from the elbow down. So it was, I, was, I knew I was holding on to the bars. I just couldn't feel it. And, uh, yeah, that was my biggest issue was, was controlling the vibration. There was no conventional uh, vibration dampening system that would make a shred of difference <laughs> to this thing. So it was hard. Top speed of 80, given that it would be a flat level surface with no headwind. Any kind of hill or in- incline, it would drop down sometimes to 20 kilometres an hour. It sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it was <laughs> hard work. like the worst nightmare. So did you, and you would have met some interesting characters on the way or you would have been the interesting character? No, both. I mean, it, I started out being totally terrified of truck drivers, especially when I got out to central Queensland and uh, away from built-up areas. Oh, and I was reading about that because the vibration thing didn't work too well for you there either, did it? No, and they're sitting on 130 kilometres an hour, you know, and and, uh, there's a dead airspace behind the truck. Either they come past you and and it's like catching a sack of potatoes in the chest (laughs) because you had a very upright riding position, or when they they overtake you, it's kind of... Wants to blow you off the bike, and, and yeah, that got scary. But but you know, for all of my fear of of the truckies, when I got to the halfway mark, because I turned to the same channel on 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 the CB, and I could hear them talking, and I talked to them, and they ended up being my saviors in many respects because they give me a heads up. We talk about the road conditions ahead, and so it went from being something to be feared to being uh, guys that kind of helped me get through it all. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. And you took your wife and your child with you in the end because after trying to show you out of the house for the, for the trip, <laughs> you, you decided you couldn't quite hack it Oh, they, they came with me between Perth and Adelaide. Just that's one, nice. Just one leg because my daughter was only two then. 
Now, you have to tell me before we run out of time, and it's kind of related to this because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about um, you're going across the Nullarbor on this, on this motorbike and people sort of think about weird kind of creatures that you run into that they might be a bit nervous about, snakes and spiders and that sort of thing, but you have a particular problem with cockroaches. Oh, the cockroach. <laughs> and I love this story. Oh, yeah, there were two moments in the ride where, look, I've got this, I'm just, I'm shit scared of cockroaches. I, I, can, I can justify that. No, I know this story, so I am not surprised. You're not? No. Oh, good. A lot of people have called me a girl, but yeah. Um, how do I put it? I was at a mate's place, and, and uh, that's, uh, I got drunk and, and, and crashed out in the spare room um, and woke up at two in the morning. with a, And they, I didn't know it at the time, but a cockroach had crawled right into my inner ear. And, you know, I wake up, my wife tells the story very She said I was rigid on all fours in the bed going, something's in my head! <laughs> And she thought, we just, we just recently gotten married, so she thought, oh, great, he's actually completely mental. Um, <laughs> um, you know you should you... have mentioned this before the yeah, vows. Yeah. Well, you know, when you get a, you know when you get a Q-tip and you stick it in your, in your ear and you push it in too far? <gasps> and yeah, you did that. It was like that, but it, it was like poking in, in, on, right on the eardrum. It was so painful. And I ended up, you know, I screamed at my wife. She ran into a stranger's kitchen and came back with dry spaghetti. You know, and a meat skewer. I was like, I'm going to jam this in my ear. So we woke our sleeping friends up who drove me to the emergency room and there was a lovely doctor there who was very doctorish, like, well, you've got something stuck in your ear then. And I'm like, help me, get it out. So I ended up sitting on my head while the nurse uh, emptied a gigantic uh, syringe of warm oil into my ear and I, I lay there with this doctor sitting on my head while this thing went into its death throes and suffocated on, on, on oil. You know, and he had the, the sort of eight-second rodeo head ride, kind of bobbing up and down and then got off and fixed his hair and they pulled this cadaver out of my ear. And, and needless to say, I've been terrified of it. He would have a pretty good dinner party story out of that one, I would imagine. You think? I think. It's a shame we didn't end up getting all that on the DVD, but, but there are some other amusing moments. With a spider, I'm halfway down the Tullamarine Freeway and I felt that horrible, like a little hand. I haven't got any hair, I've got a shaved head, right? So... so I can feel this hand creeping from the back of my lid to the front looking for an exit point and realise there's a large spider in my helmet and he fell off the bike. What Did, sort of a spider was it? Was it a funnel web? Uh, it was one of those wolf spiders. Oh! It was in my helmet. So I, I totally freaked out, slammed on the brakes, jumped off the bike, let it fall over like a doddery toddler. And <laughs> no mad. wonder Betty didn't like you very much. <laughs> yeah, we had some moments. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm glad you made it back alive. Thanks. <laughs> it's great talking to you. The book is, is um, almost as hilarious as you are. It's called Is That Thing Diesel? One Man, One Bike and the First Lap Around Australia on Used Cooking Oil. I tell you, we have only just scratched the surface of it. Surface of it. <laughs> Paul Carter, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much.